You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Hobart, Tasmania, right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am, you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, Jason Cook, and today we have Mark Falconer joining us again in the studio. Welcome, Mark. Thanks, Jason. Hi. Good to have you back here. It was uh, about four weeks ago that you were here last and um, because two weeks ago when you were scheduled on you had some meetings that you had to attend so uh, yeah it's good to have you back it's great to be back Mark um, our listeners don't know you very well Um, I might have asked you a few questions earlier and I I, I know that um, I think you grew up mostly in New Zealand but uh, you've been in Australia now for a while But uh, I'm interested to know about your theological studies because you are a church pastor and, of course, you serve a role as the secretary of our conference here in Tasmania. Tell us a little bit about your studies and where you did those. Well, I originally started my studies uh, for ministry at Avondale College, which is now Avondale University. Mm. And I uh, completed my Bachelor of Arts and then I did my Master's degree uh, in the early noughties and then I was very fortunate to do my doctorate of ministry which was at our Andrews University in, in America. Mm. And so um, what was your uh, area of study with the doctor of ministry? It was in the area of biblical spirituality and discipleship and we did that over four years and uh, that was a a terrific experience. Mm. And I know that uh, you've shared some of those, I guess, uh, some of the understanding that you're going through that study with us at our church, and it's been very valuable um, for, I guess, uh, really um, honing in on the on our spiritual relationship with God. And that is core. Yeah. And, you know, our, our, our beliefs, you know, we have... Uh, Many different beliefs, but it's not just about that. It's not just about our philosophical tenets, but it's about our relationship with God Mm. as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, today we are going to be continuing your series uh, of Is Jesus Really Serious About? And uh, we'll get to what we're going to be talking about in a moment. But last uh, episode you talked about um, does Jesus really want us to be serious about church? And uh, if I remember correctly, um, the answer to that was yes. <laughs> the church is important. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, it's his hands and feet on earth. Yeah. So we, we each have a an important part to play in the ministry of Jesus and the extension of the, the kingdom of God. So um, if you want to go back and have a listen to our past episodes, uh, four weeks ago was last uh, the last program that Mark presented. Um, you can do that on the Faith FM app and you can get that from the App Store. That's the Faith FM Australia app. Download it from Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. Uh, you can also listen to our programs on the Faith FM website. That's faithfm.com.au. And uh, go to the Listen menu on the website and find the programs and podcasts. And Tassie Encounters is there. You'll be able to find us there. And, of course, today we're going to have a number of offers, and I'll tell you about a few of those shortly. Um, 
Our offers uh, include book offers. We also ask you some questions and there's a phone number that you need to write down if you want to participate in this and we do encourage you to do that. It's 0488 880891. And uh, today we're going to be talking a little bit about a, a city in Russia and so we've got some pictures that we'd like to share with people. So uh, there's a couple of numbers that, uh, or a couple of codes that right up front in our program, we're encouraging you to text in. And those numbers, or those codes are Encounter 21, Encounter 22, and Encounter 23. There are three codes, and uh, if you text those in, you'll get back a link to some pictures that Mark's going to be talking about uh, this city in Russia, and there's some interesting pictures to have a look at. It just helps, I think, if you can see visually uh, sometimes what we're talking about. So uh, do text in Encounter 21, Encounter 22, and Encounter 23. No spaces in those words, just Encounter and the number. And text that into 0488 And you'll be able to see and follow along the story that uh, Mark's going to be sharing today. So uh, is Jesus really serious about our debt is the title of our program today. And uh, I guess as we get into the program, we'll unpack what that means. But you're going to start us off with a bit of a story or a bit of a, a discussion about a city in Russia. Yeah, th- thanks, Jason. And uh, yeah, look, Jesus is very serious about our our debts, and uh, I hope that at the end of the program, we'll have a greater sense of how much uh, Jesus has paid for our life. But what I was fascinated was about the city in. In, in Russia was Yekaterinburg, which is the fourth largest city over there, a city of one and a half million. Sort yeah. of in the middle of Russia, isn't it? Yeah. Sort of almost central? Almost central there, um, d- down in the south. It's a bridge between the west of Russia and the eastern, which is Siberia. And um, when, when you think of Russia, you sort of think of cities that are run down, drab-looking, and as I had a look on the internet and had a look at some of the buildings there, I thought, wow, this is actually a beautiful city. Very pretty. And I was actually fascinated by that, you know, and I hate to be there in winter, you know, down to minus 25. Man, we complain about the weather here in Hobart. Um, but I, I can tell you, minus 25 down there in winter. and It makes me wonder, there's a, there's a big uh, river that runs through that city. It makes me wonder if that gets totally frozen over during winter. Sure does. Yeah. Yeah, they... You can uh, um, drive. Um, you can probably drive over that. Mm. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be game, but you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, one and a half million. So it's a decent sized city there, um, bridging the Siberia. Uh, certainly wouldn't like to live there, as I said over winter. But there's some fascinating um, landmarks there, and um, if our listeners have ever watched Great Train Journeys, uh, there was one uh, last week there that showed the very same pictures, and I looked at it and I thought, oh, wow, uh, we, I, I saw that on the um, uh, when I was researching Yekaterinburg, and I, I saw all that, and they are the pictures that uh, we're going to send to our listeners there, mm. and uh, they've got a fascinating courthouse there, and they also have the house there uh, that Yekaterinburg was made famous for. It was the last place of the Tsar Nicholas II. And so that was the, um, is that the, the Romanov family? 
That's the Romanov family. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, I just wanted to give a, a, a warning. There is some discussion in our program today about death and sacrifice. So if you've got children listening, you might want to uh, uh, censor <laughs> some of the discussion today. But um, one of the things that we're going to be talking about here was that uh, the, the royal family were actually killed in this location. Yeah, in 1918, and uh, if you were to have a look at the Romanov family there, the mum and dad and the and all the children there were executed in that house there, and uh, Boris Yeltsin um, in 1977 destroyed the house. He didn't want it to be made a, a place of pilgrimage, but on the place of that house they built a beautiful church, lovely church, and uh, the Russians are incredibly good uh with their architecture, mm. and uh, they built the Church of the Blood. Mm. And that's the Encounter 23 uh, code. If you text that in, you can get a picture of that one. It's worth having a look at. And mm. same with the courthouse too, and uh, as well as the railway building there. The courthouse uh, originally was a palace, I believe. That's right, yeah. Mm. Just when you look at it, your eyes just become like dinner plates. Mm. Mm. But Kitteringberg was, also became famous for a tower that they built. Now, this was a, a byproduct of the um, of the rivalry between the Russians and the Americans in the sixties. It was a space race, and and uh, eventually the Americans overtook the Russians in the space race. But in the eighties, it was about buildings. Mm. So the twin towers they had already been built by that time, and the Russians thought, "Let's build a tower." And looking at it, it just looks like a giant chimney, seven hundred and twenty-two feet tall. But it's only half the height of the Empire State Building. So when you look at it, you go, hmm, not real impressive. But they wanted this to be the hallmark of the ingenuity and the ability of the Russians. Uh, but unfortunately, they never completed it. Weren't able to put a lift in it. Uh, they got up to about 722 feet, half the size of the Empire State Building. And as it fell into disuse, Young people started to uh, mill around the building, and climb up, climb up the tower, and a number of people. Uh, I think one person fell off, didn't he, and fell to his death. Yeah, he was a medical student. Mm. Tragic, you know. He climbed up. He used to climb up blindfolded, mm. and in the middle of winter, icy, uh, crazy stuff. Young people would also climb up there, and unfortunately, a lot of young people died. Some would also suicide as well. But it became known as the Tower of Death. Everything that the USSR um, was supposed to showcase, it became symbolic of all that was wrong with the USSR. Mm. And it became really quite tragic, really. It's interesting um, (coughs) that uh, I know during... um uh, I think it was around about 2018, the, the FIFA, the uh, the soccer, is that right? The soccer yeah. uh, World Cup was held there and uh, there was a discussion about um, demolishing the tower, which actually did happen. But m- some were opposed to that because they had learned to love this iconic tower. But it was really a bit of an eyesore, wasn't it? It was truly an eyesore. <laughs> And so it was ended up, it did end up getting uh, destroyed in March 2018. It came tumbling down with uh, the help of some explosives. So uh, no longer is that tower there.
You wouldn't want to get it wrong as it collapsed, would you? <laughs> they did very well, actually. I could see, uh, I watched the video of it going down and they uh, had it very well aligned in uh, an area that they'd planned for it. So, Nevertheless, um, it's time for us to go to a break. But as we go to a break, there's a question that I will just um, get you to contemplate during this song and uh, this will come clear later in the program but have you ever participated in a communion service and what does it mean to you what does that communion service mean to you uh, have a think about that text us in your answer on 0488 and remember those codes um, encounter 21 encounter 22 and encounter 23 to get those pictures this is the sound that saved us all by anthony skinner
You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and today we're talking with Mark Falconer on the topic of is Jesus really serious about our debt? And before the break, we did ask you a question. Have you ever participated in a communion service? And uh, what does it mean to you, the symbols and the the practice of remembering the communion service? So we'd love to hear from you today, 0488880891. Now, Mark, uh, we're going to get on to reading some passages and what have you, but I'm, I'm interested as to why you included the this Tower of Death, as it's called, in our discussion this morning. What what fascinated me about this Tower of Death was that this tower was built to symbolise Russian ingenuity and their ability. And and Russia, or the USSR as it was known at the time, was an atheistic regime that did everything that they could to expunge Christianity. And they Mm. wanted this as a showcase of Mm. how great their empire is or was. And when you look at that tower, you go, oh, man, that's pathetic. It really is, you know, 722 feet tall, you know, just look like a, a big chimney. And and you sort of look at this and you look at the folly of man when it mm. comes to life and life eternal. It, remind, and, it reminds me of the Tower of Babel in biblical times that yeah. uh, they, they built it to show their their power and their strength and, you know, to conquer over everything. And and it, uh, it was never completed. And that's exactly why it was built. And indeed, that's why the pyramids <coughs> were built as well. And, you know, the, the pyramids were, uh, we're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 12 and uh, we're going to be looking at the Israelites there. And, and you know, in their backyard were the pyramids. Mm. They'd already been built. They'd been there already a thousand years, you know, 400 odd feet tall, you know, two and a half million stones there. And, and, these were symbolic of false religion. Mm. And now the Israelites were uh, trapped in, in slavery in Egypt, and God says to Pharaoh, let my people, people go. go. Mm. Mm. So we're going to read uh, some passages from Exodus chapter 12 this morning, and if you've got a Bible, it would be great to follow along. Um, and certainly we're not going to read all the verses, so it might be good if uh, in your own time you can read uh, the full passage as well. But we're reading from Exodus chapter 12 and a few verses. We're going to start with verse 3. It says, Speak to all the generation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month they are each one to take a lamb for themselves, according to the father's households, a lamb for each household. And then it goes on to describe what to do with that lamb. And then uh, in verse 7 and 8 it says, Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh uh, that same night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. And then in verse 12, it says, For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and fatally strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the human firstborn to animals, and against all of the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will come upon you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And that was the beginning of the Passover event that uh, was then 
remembered every year. Yeah, it was the beginning of the Passover, and the Jews still celebrate that today, mm. um, but not without the uh, uh, not with the lamb. They haven't been doing that for since about the fifteen sixties, right? Um, because they wanted to uh, wait until they could celebrate that in the temple. But what, what's fascinating here is that this is the tenth plague. That mm. was to strike Egypt, the, the last one. <laughs> and, and the previous nine have virtually destroyed Egypt and the economy. Um, and uh, so Egypt was pretty much ravaged, but still Pharaoh would not let the Israelites go. So this gets pretty uh, gory and a little bit troubling. Mm. Now, I want you to imagine, Jason, with me. You imagine a, a family, the Israelite family, and in your backyard, you're looking at the pyramids, and you're looking at the um, the, the pyramids that symbolise the strength the of Egypt. Of, yeah. yeah, politically mm. strong. And then God announced that he's going to uh, send through the destroyer, as mm. it describes in verse 22, uh, or 21 or 22. He's going to send the destroyer through to destroy the firstborn. Mm. And so what was the uh, the antidote, if you like, to uh, allow the destroyer to pass over your house? It was a... A lamb and, and the blood of a lamb on the doorpost. And could you imagine what maybe some of the Israelites would have thought? that? I'll... How does this make any sense? And when you've got the pyramids in the backyard, the the world's most powerful nation politically and and socially in the world at that time. And mm. you've got a little lamb here. Mm. Sounds strange, doesn't it? But they had to kill the lamb. They had to roast it. And then they had to paint the blood on the doorpost. And then when they celebrated the Passover, there's the eldest son. Mm. Because this eldest son... Uh, there was going uh, was alive because of the lamb, the lamb. Mm. and that would have been quite strange in, in, in some ways. And I imagine that uh, on that first Passover, this this first night, that eldest son, or or uh, was it the eldest um, child, or just eldest son? Was it the oldest male? The oldest son. Right. So I imagine that the oldest son was probably feeling quite heavy that night in terms of, is this going to work or am I going to die? <laughs> but nervous, you know, he's sitting around having a meal there. Uh, Dad, are you sure you painted enough blood on the doorpost? Yeah. You know, and uh, and interesting, yeah. they weren't allowed out after they'd done that. They weren't to go outside the house. No, that, that, that's quite right. So he couldn't even check, mm. <laughs> but he was alive because of that. Mm. And there was a debt. Now we'll come to that in a minute. The debt. Yeah. Now, the eldest son was alive. Because of the lamb. Yes, God wanted to release the Israelites. The Passover was instituted instituted at this time. And so important was this Passover that the whole calendar changed mm-hmm. to revolve around that. The start of the Jewish year was the start of the Passover. So important was this. Now, the lamb was to symbolize the taking away of sin. The lamb was sprinkled with herbs, bitter herbs, 
to remember the experience now that, that was not new in terms of a sacrificial lamb uh, being used in a in the process of um, worship. That's Is correct. That, right? that that had gone back right from the beginning of uh, in Genesis. That that's exactly right. So during the four hundred years of slavery, they probably lost a little bit of this, mm. but now it was brought back in. Mm. But as you mentioned, it was first brought back in with Cain mm. and Abel. Cain and Abel, yeah. Now, if our listeners were to uh, look at Genesis chapter 4, they will recall that Abel bought a sacrifice. Do you remember what Abel bought? He brought his um, uh, his fruits and vegetables or, you know, his crops, produce from the crops. And as well as for Abel, he, he bought the... Oh, did you say Cain or Abel? Oh, so, sorry. <laughs> you, you, uh, Abel brought the lamb. Cain brought the other. He brought the other, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, that, that's one's always troubled me. Mm. What was wrong with a bit of fruit of the land? Mm. He well, brought a, some sort of sacrifice, some sort of offering, didn't he? I don't think many people uh, have a concept that um, when you pick a piece of fruit, there's um, a lot of pain and suffering or, you know, there's no... Um, life force that's immediately you know destroyed as a result of that whereas the lamb is something quite substantial and and the lamb was this a symbol the sacrificial lamb was symbolic of the coming of the messiah mm. the the messiah would pay for the debt mm. of sin mm. now as soon as adam and eve sinned death came to the world mm. but there was a debt to pay now, what is interesting for um, uh, the, the lamb, when somebody was about to sacrifice, they had to confess their sins over the lamb and their sins were transferred to the lamb and then later on into the sanctuary. And so the sin itself brought death, but for Cain, he just brought the fruit of the land. He wasn't interested into the repentance part. Why should I have to repent? And so, you know... God accepted the sacrifice of Abel, but he didn't with Cain, and so Cain eventually killed Abel out of revenge. Mm. We're going to come back and talk a bit a bit more about that and some other things in relation to this uh, in Genesis chapter 4. But uh, as we do go to this break, um, remember the question that we asked you. Have you ever participated in a communion service? What does it mean to you? And uh, later in the program, we're going to have a book offer called In Remembrance of Me. So, yeah, we'd love to hear from you today. Text us in on 0488-880-891. This is Nothing But The Blood by Jaden Levick. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Me whole again, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No. Found I know 
nothing but the blood of Jesus. made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, and today we're speaking with Mark Falconer on the series Encounters with Jesus. And we've been talking about the Passover event in uh, Exodus chapter 12. You can read about that. This was the very first Passover. And uh, we're talking about the lamb and what that represents and it reminded us of uh, the original sacrifice that uh, Cain and Abel were meant to bring um, as a result of sin entering the world. And uh, Abel brought a lamb as instructed and Cain did not. And so we, we're going to get on and read about that um, in Genesis chapter 4. Yeah. Now, for a lot of us Westerners, we get really quite offended by all these sacrifices and blood and offerings and and uh, it was all a little bit too gory. Mm. But we 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 got to recognise that this was the world in which they lived in. Uh, God gave them symbols to illustrate 
the importance of of his teachings and the lamb was symbolic of the coming of the messiah so with that in mind let, let us just have a we look at um genesis chapter 4 and we'll read from verse 3 thanks jason it says so it came about in the course of time that cain brought an offering to the lord from the fruit of the ground Abel, on his part, also brought an offering from the firstborn of his flock and from the fat from their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his face was gloomy. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face gloomy? If you do well, will your face not be cheerful? And if you do not do well, sin is lurking at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Cain talked to his brother Abel, and it happened that when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? It's a pretty sorted story, you know, second generation, Adam and Eve still around, you know, mm. who'd left the Garden of Eden and now their their son, the son that they loved, has now been murdered by their other son. Mm. It's pretty tragic really, isn't it? But let's go back to, you know, verse um, um, 4 when Abel bought, bought an offering from his um his flock. His, yep. his flock, yep. And the fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain, he only bought their fruit, didn't he? Mm. But at least, you know, some people say, oh, well, that's an offering, isn't it? But he didn't do what God had said. And, you know, but for Cain, God had no regard for his offering, but he did for Abel's. You notice Cain's reaction here. He became angry. Yeah. Very angry. But what I find also fascinating here is how God deals with it. Mm. What does he say to Cain there? He's basically saying, you know, if you do the right thing, you'll be you'll be okay, you'll be happy. <laughs> well, the, yes, that's right. And and then he but he, he comes up to him and he doesn't do what I am tempted to do. You stupid idiot, why didn't you do it right in the first place? He comes to him and says why are you angry? Mm. He, why does he come like that? He wants to. It's a gentle approach. It is, mm. isn't it? Mm. And he wants his response, a dialogue. And uh, so he he then asks him, "Why are you angry? Why is your face gloomy?" And anyway, he sort of gives him that encouragement: if you do well, you, you you'll be okay. So it's sort of uh, this passage reminds us right from the very early parts of the Bible that that. Following God's instructions, as he's asked us to, is actually important. It's not really up to us to decide how we're going to interpret what God wants. We actually just need to follow what he's asked. You know, we can't make up our own religion, in other words. You know, in a way, Cain was making up his own way of worship. He was bringing his fruit, not the lamb. And that was the core of Cain's problem. I'll worship you on my terms. Mm. Mm. Not God's terms. And we've got to be real careful about that, mm. you know, because part of our um, um, mantra is self-sufficiency. I will do it my way. Mm. And then... I love it. It says here, it says, um, sin is lurking at the door and it's desire for you, but you must master it. So, you know, God is, is saying that 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 
our temptation to go down that path of sin is so strong. It's lurking at the door. You know, it's it's waiting to to trap us. You know, that's a really interesting word that they use, lurking. Mm. Some Bible versions use the word crouching, mm. you know, that it sneaks up on you. You know what happens when it's, uh, it is sneaking? We secretly justify it. Mm. Mm. And uh, we say, oh, it's okay. Mm. And, and we've got to be real careful about that. But we don't have time to unpack that mm. one. But that's an interesting word, that one. And you notice Cain's response here. Where is Abel, your brother, and and... And the cold response, am I my brother's keeper? Yeah. Yeah, it's very sad. But here, what Abel had done right was he had followed God's instruction here. Through the sacrificial lamb, he then looked forward to the coming of the Messiah. Now, I imagine it would be incredibly difficult for Abel to kill that lamb. Mm. I certainly wouldn't want to do it. Mm. I mean, even even today when we are exposed to so much, you know, death, it still would be very difficult for us, you know, um, to do that. Um, and in those days, in the early days, death would have been even more foreign to them, I would think. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and, why is that? Because there is a debt. The wages of sin is death. Death. Mm. And we don't often sort of think of Christianity in terms of debt. Oh, yeah, Jesus paid our debt. And we sort of gloss over that. And we don't really think too much about it. But if we think it in, in terms of, you know, if somebody commits a murder or a rape, they're charged, convicted, sent to prison, we call that the sending of them to prison and serving prison time as penalty, what, as a penalty and a debt to society. Mm. Now, if we were to put the Christian hat on, and shouldn't we forgive the murderer? Shouldn't we forgive the rapist? Mm, we can do, but there are consequences. Mm. But some might say, well, can we not forgive him and let him go? Now, what would happen to our world if we were to let the criminals go and not be charged? Well, we, we can actually see this in, in some societies, and it's even happening in, in the USA where they, you know, in some cases they're changing the law to not prosecute, um, you know, theft and things under something like $900. And it, it's it's turning to chaos because... The criminals know that they're not going to be prosecuted. The police and the other um, officials aren't, aren't even allowed to pursue them and chase them. So they can walk into any shop and and steal. Uh, they know they're not going to get prosecuted. And so shops are closing down. How can they afford to uh, operate a store when people can walk in and steal up to $900 worth of material without being prosecuted? And that makes you angry, doesn't it? It's crazy. It's crazy. It is crazy. And and how can society function like that? Mm. And you know, chemists have eaten, or pharmacies have even closed down because of of those sorts of rules. Mm. And and if you don't have any consequences for a crime, society breaks down. Mm. It's lawlessness. Yeah. So there is a debt to society. There is a debt for a crime, and therefore. When it comes to sin, there is a debt. Now, the cost of that debt is what Jesus pays for. And so for the Israelites, 
when they were about to be released in Exodus chapter 12 and celebrating the Passover, they were um, looking forward to the coming of the Messiah and the Messiah was going to pay for their debt of their sin and our sin too. And of course in the Old Testament it was that killing of the lamb that uh, was symbolic of you know, the paying that debt. Um, and that would have been a very difficult thing for individuals to do is to take the life of an animal and it might have made people think seriously about their sin. Absolutely. Mm. We're going to go to a break. Our book offer today is called In Remembrance of Me and it's Thoughts on the Communion Service by Harold Roy. Uh, Thoughts of the Communion Service. When believers meet for the Lord's Supper, it's often a time of deep solemnity. And while it is an occasion for serious thought and meditation, it can also be a time of thanksgiving as we express our gratitude for what Jesus did for us. We can praise God because he paid our penalty for sin and then arose triumphantly from the tomb. Because he lives and through the Holy Spirit is always with us. Uh, from the forward, the material in this book has grown out of the author's more than 35 years of pastoral experience, study and prayer. And he's endeavoured to keep the subject matter practical and spiritual. He believes that the communion service should be times of joyful celebration and hopes that the material in this book will help the reader look forward with eager anticipation and gladness to each communion service. So we'd love to give you this book today. Um, and uh, you just need to text in the code, the number, we'll give you the code after the break, the number 0488880891. This is Hope of the Broken World by Selah. In the beginning, into the darkness, the Spirit's moving. Upon the waters you spoke the words Let there be light Out of the chaos came the promise The universe rose and applauded When you commanded the newborn sun to rise You are the day spring You are the morning star Creation splendor speaks of who you are. You are salvation. You are the joy of the earth. Restoration comes, hope of the broken world. Into my weakness. To my darkness, your spirit's moving Upon my heart and you speak the words Let there be light Into my chaos comes your promise The new is rising, the old has passed on You are reviving and making all things right You are the day spring you are the morning star Creation splendor speaks of who you are You are salvation You are the joy of the earth Restoration comes, hope of the broken world 
Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're talking with Mark Falconer today and finishing up the topic on is Jesus really serious about our debt and uh, before the break we talked about our free book offer today it's called In Remembrance of Me Thoughts on the Communion Service by Harold Roy so the code to get that book today is Encounter24 Encounter24 no spaces text that into 0488880 Eight nine one. Now, Mark, um, we've been talking about the communion service, and I guess uh, the Passover um, brings me in the New Testament to the time when Jesus spent with the disciples, uh, commonly known as the Last Supper. Yeah, the Last Supper, yeah, or as we are more familiar uh, with communion service. And uh, when we celebrate communion, often our churches are half in attendance and uh, uh, people drop off and I wonder why Mm. and I suspect that we don't really appreciate the cost of salvation the, the, the cost of the debt that had to be paid and what is important for us today is to gain a new sense of the cost of salvation and the Israelites had to understand that because Part of the thing was that they had to sprinkle on bitter herbs to remember the time of slavery, but they also had to have hyssop as well on it. Purge me clean with mm. hyssop, you know, as David would say. And and so there is a sense in which we have to be cleansed of of the sin, the cost of the sin um, that had to be eradicated, and Jesus paid that penalty. And so... It's so, so the two herbs, there was the bitter herbs, yep. and that was to represent... You know the bitter nature of of the sacrifice, is it? Well, the, the, the the time in Egypt of slavery, okay, the, the, yep. their experience, and then yeah. the hyssop meaning the cleansing, the the cleansing, yeah. And we we're eternally optimistic. Oh, I'm not that bad. Mm. What do I need to be cleansed? Oh, yeah, I can forgive my sins and that sort of thing. God forgive me for my sins, and then that's it. No, it's much more than that. We need to appreciate the cost because you know what John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus coming? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yeah, and I sort of often think, hmm, wonder how the people, what the people thought of that when they heard that. Behold the Lamb, what's he talking about? Mm. Now, let, let, let us, you know, and we, we'll come back to the question of how do we behold the Lamb in, in a tick, but let's fast forward to John chapter 13 of the communion. Now, When you look at John chapter 13, 
as the presider over the Passover, this was the time of the Passover, the, the presider would recount the story of the Exodus and what happened and that sort of thing. And, and on normal circumstances, I would have the wine, the bread, unleavened bread, um, which means to get the rid of the sin, no yeast. And they would have also had that full lamb there that was roasted. You, you know, when Jesus was there with the disciples, they had the wine, the bread. But do you know what was missing? There was no roast lamb. There was no lamb, wow. And you know what the disciples, I imagine, would have thought, I'm using my sanctified imagination here, where's the lamb? There's something missing here. Where's the lamb? Jesus is the lamb. I am the lamb, Jesus would have said. I am the sacrifice. Oh, wow. And they would have only have understood that in, in, in retrospect. And so, as they would have understood the communion service, the celebrating, the breaking of the bread and the wine, they then would have understood the new, anew, the sacrifice that Jesus has made, going to the cross, the, the judgment, the, the, um, by Caiaphas, the high priest, and the torture that he would have suffered and the crucifixion, and he did that voluntarily. The Son of God did that for us. And that's a huge cost to pay, isn't it? But when John the Baptist talks about beholding the Lamb, how do we actually... Behold the Lamb mm. in our daily life. What does that look like? Yeah. How do we sort of appreciate the debt that mm. God paid for us? Because we've got to appreciate that more and more if we are to have a living relationship. Mm. How do we do that? Well, as we are sort of thinking on this one, the first thing I would say is that we need to appreciate the cost of sin. Sin's a dirty word today. We don't like talking about sin. But the cost of sin, mm. death, death in this world. Look at the world that we live in today. And and uh, remembering that Christ ultimately, you know, that the cost was borne by Christ himself. So, that, that's right. So, the cost that Christ had to bear himself, how do we appreciate that more? Mm. Well, make this suggestion. Read about it. Mm. Read about it in Scripture. Imagine that you were there as Jesus was being led away doing this voluntarily. Imagine what it was like to be stripped naked, to have a crown of thorns, to be whipped, to be spat on, to be abused. I'm coming down to save this lot. You've got to be kidding me. That's the human perspective that I you know, sort of think of. But Jesus didn't say that. He said, I love humanity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son mm. that we shouldn't perish but have eternal life. Isn't that great news? Mm. The cost. We need to appreciate the cost. Mm. It's incredible, isn't it? Now, one of the things that we do struggle with against that is that we tend to be self-sufficient mm. in our daily life. And what do I mean by self-sufficient well, I, li- I like to be in control. 
Yeah, we we like to think that uh, we're working towards, you know, doing what we need to do to uh, to get better. You know, and that's the philosophy of the world, isn't it? It's all up to you. That that that's right. And but we 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 got to mitigate against that, haven't we? Mm. Absolutely. We need to uh, be putting the focus back on the fact that um, you're remembering that the cost and the wages of sin is death and uh, there's nothing that we can do of ourselves that can actually earn our salvation. And that's right. And for the Israelites and for the Egyptians, they were on an equal par mm. because of the blood on the doorposts mm. and both had to have the blood of Jesus. Mm. So that's uh, that's ultimately the the message that uh, we have um, been discussing today, isn't it? Is that to recognise the sacrifice, to recognise the debt that Jesus paid for our own uh, for our own sin and the cost of that. Now uh, that's uh, time for our program is up today, but uh, next week we'll have Afi uh, Tuaoi joining us again. He'll be covering Hosea chapter three. Do you know what you're going to be talking about next yet, Mark, or will it be a surprise? It's going to be a surprise. Okay, probably to you as well. <laughs> <laughs> next uh, tomorrow we've got Peter Watts joining us, and we're continuing on the Daniel series, Daniel and the God of Wisdom. Remember the book today in remembrance of me is zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. Encounter twenty four is the code to text in. This is all you'll ever need by Andrew Peterson. Blood of Jesus, it is like the widow's oil. It's enough to pay the price to set you free. It can fill up every jar and every heart that ever beat. When it's all you have, it's all you'll ever need. When it's all you have, it's all you'll ever need.
is oil When it's all you have, it's all you'll ever need It is all you'll ever need